Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me, as always, Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com. AB, what's going on? I'm feeling good. King's coaching search is down to like 15 candidates. <laughs> I only have to keep track of like half of them. I've got them. I've, I've got them at good, 20. Man. I've got them yeah. at 20. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I just saw uh, a writer for Sacktown Royalty tweeted a list of his uh, coaching coaching list ranked by desirability. It's Omer Khan, great writer over there at Sacktown. I think it's it looks like it's a good 15 deep. Well, I produced a, a slider last week. And I was up to 14, and I still hadn't got around to adding Brian Shaw or Henry Bibby or Elston Turner. So that puts us at 17. And uh, I, I don't know. I think there are other names that have been mentioned. This is a – you know what? I, we're going to discuss this, but let's let's take care of some business first. Uh, first and foremost, uh, we're not having a, a – specific guest today it'll be just me and Aaron uh that is because we've been running guests all week long uh on Saturday we brought in Larry Kuhn for an in-depth discussion on the NBA CBA the salary cap uh he really broke down the Seth Curry situation the Quincy AC situation what's going to happen all this money that's floating around what the value of certain players will be so if you miss Larry Kuhn that's incredible uh it's on uh, it was back on Saturday. I think that's number 28. Uh, and then number 29, we brought in Jason Quick of CSN Northwest to talk about Nate McMillan. He has, uh, Jason Quick has covered the Portland Trailblazers for 17 seasons. He knows Nate McMillan extremely well, covered his entire stretch there. So that was another interesting interview. Uh, and my my colleague, my friend Monty Poole from CSM Bay Area, the Warriors Insider, was on yesterday, and he uh, he discussed Luke Walton and Mark Jackson. We're going to continue to do this throughout the next week, week and a half, as the Kings continue their coaching search. We're going to bring in beat writers from around the NBA who have actually worked one on one with some of these guys. And there's a specific reason why we do that, because beat writers have a very strange and intimate relationship with a head coach. Uh, you have a love-hate relationship at some times, but you also, you're there every day. They know your face. You know their face. You know their mannerisms. Uh, when you have to transcribe someone's work all the time, you get a whole new depth of how they think and everything else. And so uh, I think it's it's good to get these guys on the record kind of spelling out some of the pluses and minuses to some of the coaching candidates. And uh, I'll continue to do that. I, I'm hoping to bring in someone on Kevin McHale very soon, so we should have that by this weekend. 
And uh, we're going to keep doing this because there are more coaching opportunities here, more coaches to cover that could possibly be in the mix for the job. And that's because the Kings have like thrown a very, very, very broad net. Uh, It's like spread out all over the world. It's possible they will interview someone from Zimbabwe, uh, maybe an Australian. Uh, They just keep going with this. And, And to me, I'm enjoying it. I don't know about you, Aaron. Let's bring Aaron back in. Are you okay with the coaching search the way that it's going? Because I have my own opinion, but we can keep – let's hear what you have to say. I'm, I'm entertained by it, so I got nothing against it. I mean, I don't think that – I don't know. It's the same as last week. I don't, I don't see this as being great for the brand. I think we've heard a lot of, you know – LOL Kings talk nationally. And I think people that have pointed out that it's not moving the needle because the needle is buried, you know, in the LOL Kings red. I I get that. And I I just think that maybe if you do have somebody that you really like, that you, you focus your efforts on that. And I know we, we hashed that out last week. Um, And I see your points on it. I, I, to me, it's just not a huge, huge issue, but you do want to see, them make good moves like the move they made with um assistant gm yeah okay well we're gonna get to him in in one second i'm just gonna say this though for all of the national like you know the banter about how how inept the sacramento kings are um you know their coaching search has gone on for what a little over two weeks now and it really didn't start until last monday so what are we like 11 days in but if i'm the new york knicks and I've got a guy that I've told that he's going to be the head coach, and then I go behind his back and interview Dave Blatt. Is that not more worthy than the Sacramento Kings situation? No, I, I, I've never argued that that the Knicks aren't as messed up or more messed up, I should say, than the Sacramento Kings. Okay, and if I'm the Los Angeles Lakers, and instead of starting the coaching search two weeks ago when the season ended, um, I waited. 10 additional days to fire Byron Scott, does that not warrant the same sort of skepticism and vitriol that the Sacramento Kings have garnered? Uh, For me, that's worse. You drag it out for an extra 10 days. What in the world is that all about? I don't know. It's, It's just funny because the Kings are, once again, you know, you got the playoffs going on. That's obviously at the front of the stage, but the Kings are still in the national discourse. I actually had a tweet go on sports center. I got told because of the Kings tattoo thing. And oh, yeah. it just seems like every, every corner, every time you turn a the corner, there's Kings news, whether it's Luke Walton doesn't want to talk to the Kings, you know, and everybody goes, well, of course Luke Walton doesn't want to talk to the Kings. I mean, ha 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 ha. And, um, you know, some variation of that's happening every week, even when they did, make the good move of hiring an assistant GM, you know, everybody kind of got their licks in then as well. Say hey, good move, but ha 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 ha. And I think all that's pretty much deserved. Um, but again, none of it really moves the needle with me. I think that we'll see which coach they get. That to me will be the, the, the determinant of whether or not this whole process was good. Um, there was, there was a while there for, it seemed like they were prepping folks for a Vinny Del Negro hire. And, you know, if that's what they end up with out of this coaching search, then I think you could start to to look at the process and wonder, did it work out or not? If they end up with somebody like a Kevin McHale, which is seeming like that they might not, or but it's maybe they get a Nate McMillan. 
or you know equivalent then you don't you look back at, at this stuff and just laugh it was not a big deal okay so we're gonna bust through the the coaching stuff here in just a minute but we're gonna start with the other hire uh and we keep kind of skirting around this but the sacramento kings have officially added a front office executive his name is ken catanella and a lot of people around the league said huh who and i think that's a good thing because i think this is a guy that has a nice track record and we'll go through some of that and and the other thing is i think sometimes anonymity is a good thing hiring bobby marks might not have been a good thing hiring david morway guys that are well known and are thrown out there that's not always a good thing and i think when you find the right guy the guy who has a mixture of the things that you need and if you can find that in a package that is that fits with the rest of your pieces i think it's a good idea so what are your early thoughts on the hiring of Ken Cantonella? I like the fact that everybody I've talked with has good things to say about him and, and you know, outside of Sacramento as well. So that I think is probably the most important thing. I think that the other guys probably wanted a little bit of what they couldn't have, which was more say and more security and, and maybe more peace of mind knowing that they were walking into a stable situation. So I think in this case, there's more willingness to come into a situation and and deal with what some other more established candidates might not be willing to deal with at this stage in their career. And and that's again, that's something that you should probably welcome if you're a Kings fan because, you know, he's younger and he's um you know, more I think on the upswing of his career and and I think that he fits exactly what Vlade Divac's needs right now, which especially in the day-to-day operations part of the equation, these guys needed somebody who could come in and fill that gap uh, immediately like as a pressing need. They needed that. And then when you factor in all of the other stuff he brings to the table with regards to analytics and cap work, it's really the perfect assistant. I think so too. So I'm going to give my opinion and whether people agree with me or not, honestly, it's just my thoughts on it. I think you had, you had two choices here. You could go full Vlade or you could bring someone in and have a backup plan. And I'm not saying that Ken Catanella is not a backup plan because his resume reads as someone who is primed to take major control of a team at any time. It really does. Uh, but I think what this move does is it it tells everybody that Vlade is the decision maker and this is his right-hand man that helps him navigate through everything. Where if you brought in a bigger name, there's always going to be the question, well, who is really the GM? Who Who's the GM here? Is it Vlade or is it some other guy? And this is going full Vlade. It's saying that Vlade is our guy. And and that's where, whether you agree with Vlade being the guy or not, that's what this, to me, this decision does. It says, this is our guy. We're going with him. And we're going to support him in a bunch of different ways. And I think the other cool thing about bringing in Catanella is it also allows the Sacramento Kings to, to shift 
uh, Mike Bratz over into the director of of scouting role, which is a role that he is really good at. It also He's going to be an advisor to Vlade. So it just adds to the team. And to me, it balances the group out a little bit more. You have Vlade as the guy who's going to make the final say. And you have a collection of guys who are going to make some really... They're going to bring information to the table for him. And I think that's where I'm at with this. I mean, Aaron, do you get that? Or are you like, well, this could be the dude? No, 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 no. This is not like a succession plan or anything like that. This this is just a really smart, solid hire. And the um, there's no downside to it whatsoever. It's also not going to be the needle moving thing that news in, uh, I guess we're late April or early May. It's not moving the needle in October, November, December. I mean, it will help, but... Um, you know, this is more about getting things to a place of respectability, and and I think that it accomplishes that. And it is is was interesting to see how you know bigger names approach the job, and how close it seemed both of them. You know, from various reports, it, they were the guys, and you know that's not the info that I was getting, but that was um, interesting to see how close they got before not not ultimately going that direction. Okay, so let's break down what this guy does because I, I think that's the biggest key. Um, when you look at uh, this hire specifically, he has an expertise in analytics, which I think is is kind of misunderstood, but he's one of the first analytics guys that actually started working in the NBA and actually had a job. He, he began with the uh, – he actually, as a grad student while he was getting his MBA – he worked with Mike Shishesky at Duke for two seasons, helping to develop an analytic system for players on the court. What player, you know, sort of when he's shooting from here, how efficient is he? Uh, this play works at this time. This one doesn't. Um, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, sort of the entry level of, of analytics where they really started taking film and, and turning it into data. And so he, he kind of... He kind of he left there and he goes to work with Lawrence Frank in Brook in New Jersey, uh, which again Lawrence Frank comes from the Stan Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy, uh, Pat Riley coaching tree, and and so basically they're doing a lot of the analytics that you're seeing both now in Detroit and that you're seeing with the Miami Heat, a lot of player uh, sort of player analytics for specific things that players do on the court as opposed to, I don't know, broader scale analytics that we've seen. The Kings have done all kinds of different stuff. Um, so this guy, he he's a guy that when they do draft preparation, I was reading up on this, his draft preparation is to have so many different uh, breakdowns of what could happen, all of the scenarios of what could happen all the way down the draft board. They have their own analytics, their way of developing analytics. They work side-by-side side with the scouting department. The scouting department has input into what would go into the analytics as well. Uh, they're able to measure who is going up against, you know, what, say, Buddy Heald did against NBA-caliber defenders at the college level. And so you can go through and pluck 
all of the NBA caliber shooting guards and wings that he goes up against in his college career and see how he did in those games. So so their analytics is really good, and, and I'm really excited about that. I actually read a, a True Hoop story from uh, like 2008 where it, it was right before the, the 2008 draft when he was with the Nets, and they had the uh, the 10th pick, the 21st pick, and the 40th pick in the draft. So they had a wide variety of players that they had to look at and break down. And it's really tough to bring in all of those athletes for interviews, and especially when you're looking at so many phases of the draft, because you're talking about bringing in you know, probably 25 or 30 guys for each of those phases of the draft. So now all of a sudden your draft workout session is 75 or 80 people deep over the course of a couple of weeks. So so really complicated, but to make a long story short, their analytics, he, he was a big part of the decision-making process and the analytics process, and they drafted uh, Brooke Lopez with the 10th, 10th pick. They drafted Ryan Anderson with the 21st pick, which is an interesting tie-in, and they drafted uh, Chris Douglas Roberts with the 40th pick. And so they came up with, again, three completely different styles of players but players that fit into what they were trying to do at the time. And uh, so we're going to see a lot more on what he's done, but I'm pretty impressed by what I read, Aaron. I, I, it's good stuff. I like the fit. I'm I'm not, you know, going to go head over heels for any of this stuff because, you know, analytics is almost like, you know, everybody's got it. You know, a lot of analytics guys can can all read from the same playbook, they're almost interchangeable pieces in many ways. Yeah, there's some that are better than others, um, but I, I do like the the makeup. Um, you know, uh, the the Dookie that, that makes his way through the NBA works at the league office for yeah, a long time. Yeah, works at the league office for and, two years. And, yep. And so I mean, he's got a variety. He's in he's inside of the 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 bubble, so to speak. He knows how things work, and now you've got an analytics background that's also salary cap based inside the front office at that you know that's that next chair to be able to advise vlade it's it's good um we'll, and we'll they still have it... roland beach yeah i was gonna say and then you got roland beach now you got a guy that in the front office can talk to the guys on the ground that's probably the most important part but even the day the day-to-day stuff is going to be huge and, and they just needed an additional body that not just like a a body but like a really good uh you know, person in that front office to take a big role and help forward the many different things that a front office has to do. Yeah, and I think the other thing that, like, reading up and seeing some of the jobs that he's had throughout the NBA, one of the other things he he knows is how to how to get your scouts to to sort of scout specifically to what you need, what you're trying to get, and he has a clear, defined idea of how he wants his advanced statistics and stuff like that to relay to the coaching staff. I think it might change some of the conversation on on what type of, well, what type of coach the Kings look at. Because, you know, like Kevin McHale is a guy who works for one of the biggest stat heads in the game or worked for one of the biggest stats head, stat heads in the game, and Daryl Morey. And he, an old school coach and a, you know, Hall of Fame player, and really more of a an 80s guy who isn't in the modern analytics world was able to work with this. And I, I love, again, the, the Van Gundys 
are are spectacular coaches, but they also they they're able to take the analytics and and put in a real life situation and have it work for them. So I, I like because the Kings have been bashed a lot because they're while they do have advanced you know scouts, they do have George McLeod still. That Bill Pope. I mean, they have guys out there doing the job. It they're not something that you see as like a major part of what the Kings are doing on a day to day basis, and that's something that the Kings have been bashed for for their their inability to sort of really figure out a uh, a, a game plan scout, a guy who who's game planning, you know, who's giving you advanced statistics on what's coming next. Uh, a lot of the scouts. I mean, they might be scouting college players. They, there's all kinds of things that scouts do, and there's different types of scouts for all kinds of things. But I, I like this is a guy who I think can help package that message into something that is palatable for an NBA coach. Well, it's interesting. You know, analytics is based on efficiency, and the best way to get something out of your analytics department is if your organization is as efficient as possible and on the same message, and basically, you know, everybody's on the same page. So. Maybe we'll see some of that, and you got to have less fires to put out for the organization to be able to put attention into the things that they should be doing. So again, another guy to help out. You know, a lot of hands makes light work. I think that he's uh, definitely the good fit for this position, and uh, you know, I'm optimistic. It's good news for the Kings. I think it is too, and it's a quiet hire. I, I, I honestly, I think it's a good thing when you you're in a giant media room like i was with the uh, in golden state when this news when we started to get word of this news and a lot of people were like i've never heard that name before you know what the kings need a few more people that no one's ever heard of and that can keep their uh, their ideas and their message out of out of the media it was interesting nobody had that yeah well, it nobody would've... had it. And, and honestly, nobody's had anything with a Kings coaching search. It, it has all been coming from the outside, almost exclusively from the outside, not from the inside out, but from third parties that are that are interested third parties who are handing out their their coaches, their coaching clients as as fodder for the Sacramento Kings coaching job. And I, I think the Kings have done a good job of quietly quietly doing what they're doing i mean again i don't know that no one has actually seen a coach in the building no one has actually known (laughs) when exactly mike woodson was there or when Vinny del negro swung by and had dinner i mean of course they're here and they've done it but you know what i mean it's almost like they've gone incognito which is so anti-kings you know, I've reported a few things that I, I, I hate to, to let you know. There might be there might be some leaks. Well, there's some leaks, but nothing crazy. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I, 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 I um, it's it's coaching season, man. The, 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 there's a couple coaching agents out there that represent them all. They, they all got to spread that currency around. They're That's working you- hard. That's how you get the reporting world. And it's you know, it's part of the, the business. It's the way that it works. And, you know. I, I don't think that – I don't know. I don't know. How many of the names do you think are, are completely just totally fake? 100% fake? Like, well, what do you mean by fake? 
Like, Meaning, like, the Kings like, have no interest in them whatsoever. Okay, okay, but they have no interest and they're still going to interview them, or they have no interest at all? Uh, let's go with the latter. They have no interest at all, and the name has been brought up as just kind of, like, bait for oh, at another least, job. At least eight. At least yeah, eight I, I, I thought that like, I, 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 the number I, I had was about 50%. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I get what were we looking at? We we're 17, 18. Yeah, maybe yeah. nine. Yeah. I mean, but but I'm also going to say that I do believe that they look at the coaching staff that like Doc Rivers has. We've talked about this where you look on his bench and it's Lawrence Frank and it's Mike Woodson and, and Sam Cassell. He, he actually has two former head coaches on staff and, and Brandon O'Connor. And, and you're looking at his bench and you're like, man, that is such a good bench. That is such a high-quality coaching bench. And actually, if you listen to the Monty Poole interview, he talked about Mark Jackson and that one of Mark Jackson's huge downfalls was that he chose to hire his friends as his coaching staff as opposed to the best coaching that he could possibly hire. And it wasn't Monty wasn't trying to be a jerk about who Mark Jackson's friends were or who those people were. But when you're giving given a blank check and said hire the best coaching staff possible, that doesn't necessarily mean that you go and hire your friends unless all of your friends are the best coaches possible. So again, when I look at Doc Rivers staff, I'm like, holy cow, look at that staff. That that is bomb. I mean, it's something if Doc Rivers needs to step away for two weeks, or if he throws out his back and needs back surgery like what happened to Steve Kerr. He has someone to step in that actually has coached at the NBA level and knows what they're doing and can take control. And that's not what the Kings have had in the past. I mean, I guess it's why they brought in Tyrone Corbin uh, two summers ago. It's why Keith Smart was brought in after the first year of of um, uh, Paul Westfall. But even Michael Malone's first year staff was a lot of his. It was his dad. It was Chris Gent. You know, close friends. Um, but no full-fledged head coaching experience on the staff. So my point being is that it's very possible that the Sacramento Kings are doing this thorough job because some of these guys might actually be thought of as candidates for a lead assistant job in Sacramento and not just, you know, so, so Sam Mitchell. He might not be a head coaching candidate, but Sam Mitchell might work alongside of whoever's getting hired and so I, I just think that there there might be a bigger process here that we're not really thinking of i've been thinking a lot about the process of it all and why and i and i i kind of think that they're they're not sure what they're gonna get you know and the kings are the last stop you know for for this this year's coaching um carousel maybe not the last you know, who knows how the other jobs that may or may not be open shake out. But if that's the case, it's a bit of a dance. And you've got to see who, is, who, who wants to dance with who. And if you're, if you're the ugly kid in the room, you know, maybe you got the last pick of the litter. I don't know. Um, but by having the kind of the constancy of the broad coaching search, it does create a little bit of a dust pile 
you know, where you can have some wiggle room to maybe do some negotiating, some strategicizing, make up a word. Strategery. Uh, Strategery. Strategery. (laughs) But, I mean, again, I'm not saying I agree with all that. And to the points about the assistant coach, I I feel like there's, there's valid points on both sides where you can say a coach shouldn't be able to bring in their own guys because there might be better fits out there and the coach might not have the um, inclination to look at those better fits because they would be more apt to look at their guys. And with a lot of things in the prediction business, you know, there's a decision that's always right at the time and it really comes down to the details itself. So you got to look at who's the coach and then who are the available, pardon me, assistants that you could plug in around a given coach and then how will these guys actually work with one another? Will there be personality conflicts? Do they complement each other, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the devil's in the details with that kind of a conversation. Um, I, I do think as well, like if you can get a coach that has some cachet, if you could get Kevin McHale right now and Kevin McHale's like, well, I want this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy as my assistants, do you say no? And that's, Again, where the devil, uh, where the devil's in the details. So I'm not sure these guys necessarily know what they're doing with this broad coaching search. Maybe they're purposely trying to create a dust cloud so they can have a little bit of negotiation, so they could pit some guys against each other and not have to give away the house. I don't know. It's very interesting, and I probably, if I had my way, if I was in charge, which I would never be, I would say pick the guy that you like and go after him hard. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's more complicated than that. But I think we're getting to the point where you're picking the guy that you want. And yeah, we're, we are getting to that point. And, exactly. And when you're like when you talked about being the ugly guy and you're looking around the room and who's left, well, the answer is there's like 17 people still left. <laughs> I know that's there's crazy. 17 people looking at you like, oh, you're going to dance with me. And I, you know what? There again. It, it all comes back to the one year where all of the young coaches were hired. All of the new coaches were hired. It's Michael Malone and Brett Brown and uh, Mike Buddenholzer and all uh, Dave Yeager. All of these guys with uh, zero head coaching experience gets hired, get hired in one summer, and it leaves this huge swath of, of NBA head coaches who instantly got labeled as retreads and then shelved. And now here they all are. They're like lining up uh, to try to get another shot at the at the dance here. And, and the thing, again, I the Kings are going to allow someone to hire their own coaching staff. I think that's pretty evident. But when I look at, again, you brought up Kevin McHill's staff. And now that's J.B. Bicker's staff, uh, his staff at this point. Was that just, that's two staffs in one word and, and, and one <laughs> Anyway, uh, J.B. Bickerstaff uh, was, of course, uh, the next guy up. But, again, no head coaching experience. That enti- His entire staff, no head coaching experience. And so did Mikhail choose the right staff? And so, again, I don't like that Tyrone Corbin was, like, f- almost forced on Michael Malone to hire a guy who had been a head coach before. But at the same time... I think as a head coach, you have to have enough uh, understanding and security in your role that you can do what's best. And what's best for your team is to have the best coaches possible. 
And, you know, like, again, going back to the Jason Quick art, uh, interview, he said, bar none, no one will outwork Nate McMillan. No one. He said he is one of the hardest working guys you've ever met. He will work, 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 and no one, not the players, not there won't be another coach that outworks him. And that's good. I mean, you want guys like that on your staff because I think they make you better. They they force everyone around you to be better. And I'm sure some of these guys are just absolutely wonderful coaches that can help you, you know, bring this this team to the next level. And again, when you look back at, uh, I, I've been told that some of the issues that um, that Kevin McHale had over the last year is that Kelvin Sampson left and went back to coach at the college level. And he was the guy that was directly in charge of dealing with James Harden. And when he, uh, Calvin Sampson left, he had no one to deal with James Harden. And he had to deal with him himself. And we saw how that worked out. It didn't work out at all. And Mikhail was like, you know, get me out of here. Pull the plug. I'm done. This is ridiculous. I can't deal with this. And that's because he had someone else dealing with James Harden for a couple of years. And I... That I think is that that exemplifies the point is it's so much of this comes down to personalities and balance and maybe a lack of balance. Like you can, however, say Nate McMillan was, and then he had Monty with him, you know, like how does that combination play in the locker room? And so again, I think that there's so many different facets of this. If you have a strict disciplinarian, do you need a passive happy go lucky guy to balance that out? Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. You have Billy Donovan, and you know, going alongside Billy Donovan was Monty uh, Monty Williams until you know the tragic passing of his wife. I, that that's what you need if you're going to bring in a guy who's never coached at the pro level. And I, again, Messina, if if or Udoka, if I get an interview with those guys and I bring them in, I'm going to want a really really strong strong group alongside him, not to undermine him. And but to support him, to give him all of the support that he needs, and he's going to come in knowing what he wants to do. Same time, he's going to need support, and he's going to if you do have the riffraff and the the issues, somebody needs to pull those guys aside. I mean, for the Kings over the last couple of years, it's been Corliss. Corliss has done a, a really good job of really you know stepping up with Demarcus and holding Demarcus accountable. Now, some people are like, well, that doesn't really work. And it's like, uh, you try and do it. Uh, I hate to tell you this, but I, I saw 19 year old DeMarcus Cousins, and 19 year old DeMarcus Cousins and 25 year old DeMarcus Cousins are two totally different men. And I've said this a, a million times about DeMarcus. He always said, I'm not changing for anybody. I am who I am. He's like, he's Popeye the Sailor Man. It's like, all right, I am what I am, what I am. Good for you. You know what, though? You are what you are at 19, and you're not the same guy when you're 25. So whether you wanted to change or it just happened naturally and you didn't realize it, you're just not the same guy. You mellow out, your hormones change, your body changes, everything changes. You're not the same guy. And I think that that having guys on the staff that are there to hold people accountable is really good, and, and I hope that you know the Kings – land one of these guys and it's a good one and like i i said on the rise guys earlier man if you come down to it and you got three head coaching candidates and you've whittled it down and you've got nate mcmillan and kevin McHale 
and uh, Ettore Messina, and those are your three coaching candidates, and they're all three willing to take the job, then Sacramento wins because those are all three really good coaches. And yeah. it's a good pro- – and the process yielded what it what it needed to yield. And if you get done with it and it's literally like three guys that you're like, oh, I can't believe that that's all we got left. That's who's standing here. Uh, but I don't see it because we haven't – Jeff Hornacek hasn't even gotten an interview. And yeah. I, I still consider him a great coach. I, I, I well, a coach that I would take. The way I would sum this up is I think you're hearing a lot about the people that would say yes, you know, like right on the spot. Mark Jackson, you know, would say yes, probably right on the spot. You know, a couple other coaches would say yes. Vinny Del Negro would say yes, right on the spot. I think that the Kings have circled their wagons around those guys, and now they're trying to see if they can get a bigger fish. And it's going to take a little bit more time. And then you get the question of, well, if you wait, do you lose somebody? Um, You're not losing anybody. These guys are out of work. I, I mean, I think that they're probably figuring. What, what does LA do? That's that's the big million dollar question. Can they get Luke? Do they go for Messina? Does Messina say yes? Probably. Uh, I, if I'm if I'm Luke Walton, I, I mean, again, Monty uh, Pool talked about Luke Walton, and he said, first of all, everyone loves Luke. The players like it's it's more than love. They adore him. They, he has a, a charisma and a goofiness to him and this big, booming... I mean, he's got, like, Barry White voice. I don't know if you've heard him talk, but, like, talk about dropping four octaves. He has an ability to have people follow, and, and it's really going to play well when he does become a head coach. But if I'm Luke Walton, I sit back and I said, you know what? You know what, Warriors? I might take the, the Lakers shot. Are you going to pay me? Are you going to give me a bump? Okay. I'm staying. How, how smart are you, Lacob? <laughs> because if I'm him and I'm looking at Steve Kerr and the fragility of his back and his health, and, I mean, he's still having headaches. He still has back pain. He's still, I mean, I, again, I, I hope that Steve Kerr coaches for the next 20 years because I think he's a great coach. But if I'm Luke Walton and I'm looking at Steve Kerr and I know that he's he's got six rings as, as a player – and he's got one ring as a coach, and if they get another ring, and then let's say he gets another ring next season, but then he realizes that 82 games just isn't, it's not okay. He can't, well, it's not even 82. It ends up being like 110 games. That's just not an, he can't do that. Then Luke Walton is a secession plan. Why, why would you risk losing the greatest gig in the world? It's his job. To go take a Lakers job where they literally have no talent at all. I mean, I'll play devil's advocate. <clears throat> you see Steph go down in a heap, and then you go, "Oh wait, what happens if we if something happened to Steph? You know, am I passing up head coaching money in a in a major market? You know, maybe a four or five year deal, twenty five mil guaranteed, and am I passing that? And what can what can Lakeham do?" For me, you know, if I'm if I'm Luke, what can Lakeham do for me? Can he can he guarantee me ten mil, fifteen mil, to so to make the odds pay off? That's where I get a little bit. I'm not quite as sold that he would stick around. He could have. I mean, they, there's all sorts of chance he has inside information on what Steve's thoughts are. Of course he does. And and, and that he's 36. could be. 
He's got plenty of time, and he, he's an NBA player for a decade. He's got plenty of money. Oh, yeah, the money's not... It's But it's, it's funny, you know, rich people love their millions of dollars as well, so <laughs> it just depends on what he wants to do. And I think a lot will depend on the pitch that the Lakers would give him if if he's sold by the pitch. And only the, 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 the brother and sister there, you know, the buses, they know whether or not they've got things on the same page. And, and actually, it doesn't seem like they do, to be honest. It doesn't honest. seem like they do at all. And that's that's and, another thing that Monty brought up. He said, look, if with, with the current situation, he's like, I don't see Luke leaving to go to L.A. He's like, but let's say he, that, that Jeannie decides to take over the team and brings Phil back, then, they, then Luke goes first day. Like, he's gone. But are they going to hire a coach for this year? And then next year, when Phil's out of his contract, if he wants to be, I, I think he has an out that he can get out and he can come back to L.A., then you do it? Well, that's the problem. Why not keep Byron Scott then for and then a year? You have, then you have the whole Mitch Kupchak thing. How does how does Phil fit in with Mitch? Can they work together? Probably. Well, we're talking about president and then uh, the GM. Yeah, I mean, Kupchak is a, is a, is a pretty solid GM. And oh, yeah. His track record is pretty incredible. I but mean, does he want to cede any sort of power or control or could he go across town if you get rid of doc rivers well i don't see i don't see luke as a guy who wants power the guys that want power not luke not luke i'm talking phil like phil and and mitch well and that's the that's just them worked that out you just know that you're really in tight with phil and phil loves you and cup check probably loves you everyone loves you you let them figure out the rest of it I mean, again, if I'm looking at the Lakers, the Lakers is a historic job. I'm not going to, like, downplay the Lakers as, you know, no one should ever take the Lakers job ever again. But let's be honest here. They don't have any talent. The one guy they they have that's really talented is a guy who videotapes his teammates and no one wants to play with him. It's a mess. And that's what I think you're seeing is everybody standing far away from the leper, so to speak, you know, is that. Well, and even Russell might be a couple he's of years got, away from being. He, he's really got a year to prove it, and I think that's what Genie has has done: is said, "Here's your goalpost, you know. Here's your self-imposed goal goalpost. You've got to hit it." And what everybody around the league knows is that Genie is very savvy and very capable of running that franchise. And so, if you're everybody involved at every level of this discussion, why not wait and see what happens? And that is probably why Luke says no. And then the Lakers have to convince somebody like Ettore Messina to come into that. Well, and Messina was there as as an assistant at one point, and so maybe he does say, I'm in. Uh, I don't know, though. Again, the Kings are chaos, and I get that, and I, I totally get that, that people might turn down the job, like a guy like Messina might turn down the job just because he thinks it's chaotic. But... I also know that Vladi is very tight with the Spurs. He has sought their counsel time and time again, R.C. Buford and Popovich. He has sought their counsel before he even took this job. And so I could see them saying, look, he's a good he's a good man. You could go there, and, and let's be honest, while he, he can be a pain in the behind, DeMarcus Cousins is immensely talented, like incredibly talented. And you have talent. You have talent to work with if you go there. If you have the right system and you can implement the things that you want to do and you can give some sort of feedback and your boy Marco Bellinelli is there to speak Italian to you 
if you have all these things, maybe it is a fit. Maybe it does work. So I, I don't know. I'm not convinced at all I, I, that the Lakers job is better than the Kings job. I, I think this is the week we see Godfather offers come come down the pipe. Like everybody shows their hand and because it's time to move. You know, things got to get done. You got the draft coming soon. You got free agency right around the corner. Things move fast. and mm-hmm. But we're not to May yet. We're close, but we're not there yet. Wait, wait four days away? Something well, like that? We, yeah, but, I mean, draft doesn't happen until mid-June, late June. Yeah, but I'm just I'm just saying things move fast. No, and I agree. The, the, uh, I think that the Godfather offers are coming, and the kind of the last and final offers, if you will. And the question for the Kings will be, can one of those Godfather offers knock somebody into into a position of interest will they be like okay i buy the kings that's what will that's what remains to be seen i've i've been told that if it's the right guy that money isn't isn't the deal like i mean they're like money is no option that's not what's out there but you know the the big guys that are getting paid the Thibodeaux and the scotty brooks they've already taken their jobs and so now you're left with, I mean, what's the, the top end of, of this coaching group? The top end is probably $5 million a year. Nah, six to seven. Who? Any of them. I That's, don't think you, so. You, you got to no. pay that. You got to pay the tax. <laughs> yeah, but no, the, the I King's mean, tax. the King's and, tax, no, I don't see it. I, I, I mean, yeah. again, you were able to get George Carl for $5 million a year, and he took $3 million the first year. I think that it'll be if the Kings get one of these big fish, it'll be in the six to seven million range and um, four years. And um, yeah, so like a four year, 28, maybe a, a four year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah four, 24 to 28. And, and I'll, I, and I'll say this be- beggars can't be choosers. Like, and I think everybody in the Kings organization understands that. Like it's not, money's not a question as much as the question is, is can, you know, that, that, pitch be pitch perfect can they make the pitch and get the guy that they want in there and that just is really really tough after really three amazingly tumultuous years no i i hear you i hear you but i'm just saying other teams are going through the same stuff out there and you know they've been able to land head coaching jobs uh they're also i just honestly there are so many candidates that I, I don't see that the I mean again someone may demand that and I I don't see the Kings moving off of someone because of a demand. At the same time, I don't think any one of this now again Luke Walton, it might take seven million to get him out of there, and and even still I don't know if that they can get him. Actually, I don't even know if they can get an interview with him. That doesn't mean that Vladi hasn't had a conversation with him, but they they're not going to be able to get an interview with him. Um, just like the same way that Phil Jackson had full conversations with Luke Walton before, but it wasn't an interview. They're friends, and they all have conversations. So, I, I mean, he knows that Luke's not coming to New York. And I've been told, like, Luke's not going to New York at all. But, uh, you know, again, I, I don't think the Kings are, are swinging for Luke Walton. I don't think they need to swing for the fences with Luke Walton. I think there are a lot of other coaches that have more experience or more proven in the NBA uh, that have been on benches longer and and haven't just been handed like the world championship team and while you started off what twenty four and zero and 
ran like a 39 and 43 record, so what, 43 games uh, in your career, and you look like, you know, the bee's knees. Uh, that team also won 73 games, and Steve Kerr won a ton of games with that team too, and it's not like that's a bad team. I mean, that's the best team in basketball. So He's the hot name. That's what it is what it is. You're never going to know until you buy it, unless he was to somehow coach the entire season with a lesser roster. You'll just never know. That's and right. He, he just comes from good stock, you know, Real, really good stock. He's that girl that goes home during after – for summer after the end of her freshman year and when she comes back as a sophomore everyone in the school's like oh, hey who's that over there and you're like oh that's that her thing? and they're like no that's not her and you're like oh yeah that's her are she, you quoting she's all that i i don't know if i'm quoting she's all that i i hope not but uh yeah. <laughs> I think you are. I think you are. Uh, Somebody can correct us if, if we're wrong. I'm just saying, like, you're looking at at Luke Walton, you're like, oh, that's that. He is he is the sexy pick right now. But I actually think that there are much, much more marryable people here. <laughs> more people that you could marry than the, the girl that showed up one summer and all of a sudden looks a lot better than she did before. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, Aaron. You got anything else? Wait, we might as well. What? Who's your favorite right now? Who's your favorite in the in the clubhouse? Oh, in actual hoops? Wow. Um, no, who, no, in Kings hoops. Who's your oh, favorite King, to take the jobs? Hoops? Who's your favorite to? Oh man, my it's, it. My odds machine in my head got shook by the developments because I don't think Kevin McHale is as interested as uh, as the Kings are in him. So I don't. I mean, his odds seem to be pretty low right now. Vinny probably should be the leader in the clubhouse based on the intel that I've got. But I'm going to go with the field. I'm taking the field. Can I take 15 of the 17 available coaches? <laughs> you can take the field. <laughs> you can take the field. Yeah, I'm hearing, uh, you know, that they've had very long discussions with Kevin McHale and that, you know, that he might be a guy that that could possibly take the job. I've had reporters tell me, look at me, and, like, from Houston tell me, like, that dude ain't ever taken that job. Uh, and so that's one thing. But I do know that he has shown intrigue, and he actually came to them and had intrigue, and they went to him and had intrigue. Um, I don't know. I Honestly, I don't know that there is a full... I, I think Mikhail is a leader in the clubhouse, but that doesn't mean that he's the right fit and that either side believes that he's the right fit yet. And it really, I think, a lot to be determined. So, I think what you're hearing and seeing, though, is the Kings putting out this Kevin McHale wouldn't be interested narrative. And that's um Oh, so when they get him, they're like, oh, suck it. We yeah, got well, him. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? No, I think that they're kind of managing expectations with the fan base. I also think that a lot of stuff that I see kicked around is, you know, putting out feelers. It's hard to, you got to really really trust your sources and all this stuff but like the uh i i feel like they've put out Vinny as a guy you know like here's here's a good option for us and you know if we can't get anything better this is the one we'll coalesce around and then kevin McHale's the unicorn that they're chasing uh you know shout out to rex rex what is his name rex uh, i don't know rex road listeners will know who i'm talking about with the unicorn reference um because oh. sometimes you can get the unicorn yeah, if 
But if Mikhail's your unicorn, I, I'm not convinced. If well, he's should, your unicorn, unicorn I want to know if there's a Pegasus. Because I, I might like a Pegasus better than a unicorn. Because Pegasus who, who, the, who would the James Ham hire be? My hire? I, I've already said who my hire is. is my, or, um, is Nate McMillan. McMillan. And I was, I mean, McMillan's odds are right. I mean, he would be probably three to one odds. Vinny would be just under three to one. Kevin McHale would be 10 to one. And the field would be like five to one. If they can, if they can get Messina, the Messina interview and, and actually hit that one good. And then Nate McMillan interview and really, and really spend some time between those two. Again, if it comes down to those three, man, I, I'm okay with any of the three. I think the Kings have won. They've won the hiring process. I go Messina twelve to one. Twelve to one. That's your that's your call. Hmm. All right. All right. Well, hey, stranger things have happened. All I know is this is it's a week of tattoos, free tattoos of new logos. The new logos in my mind are are awesome. I I, I enjoy them. I mean, they're just logos, so I'm not going to, like, go go crazy and freak out. But I, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought giving free tattoos away was, like, the craziest stunt. <laughs> the Kings have done a lot of crazy stunts. <laughs> but that one, <laughs> I don't know. That one's out there, Aaron. <laughs> it's out there, man. I've gotten a lot of feedback. Like I said, my tweet was on SportsCenter. That was weird. Um, uh, I was, I was like... told that your tweet was on SportsCenter. I, I just have to say, you're all sheep. You're sheep. You're tattooed sheep at this point. Well, right. And and so, like, I mean, what I, I didn't tell everybody is I got, you know, th- there's a, a segment of the Sacktown Royalty uh, commenter base that would, would enjoy this. Is I got a, I went down and got a free tattoo. It's a Vivek. It, it's a big old back tat of Vivek on my back. It, it goes from shoulder blade to shoulder blade. Is he doing the hang loose? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Aaron, that would be awesome. Yeah, I know. A giant Vivek tattoo all the way across your back. But I, I, I'm just going to say, Aaron, would you be putting it right over the top of the Isaiah Thomas uh, oh, back tattoo? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's precedence in the world. There's precedence. <laughs> you could do it two faces. Half half Isaiah Thomas, half uh, Vivek Ronadiva. <laughs> that would be sick. Uh, yeah, we know you love your Isaiah Thomas. All right, so Aaron, any final thoughts? No, that's it. Uh, Isaiah will be playing tonight. He'll probably drop 40 on the uh, the Hawks, bring it back to Atlanta for Game 7, and bring send back, King's Twitter into a, in, into a conniption. <sighs> um, no, no, no thoughts. It's going to get hot here in Sacramento. That's what I'm thinking about. I'm yeah. not liking that. Yeah, well, I have a pond in my backyard, so I don't know about you. All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. We will be back next week, but also look for the mini podcasts that keep dropping. I keep dropping them whenever I, I land a guest and want to throw them up. I I take the liberty to do so. Uh, so keep an eye out for those. I apologize for the iTunes thing. I, I got to be honest with you. I cannot tell you why iTunes does what they do. They are outlandishly crazy and they control the world of of what goes to your itunes app and what doesn't if you really want to make sure that you get every single sacramento kings uh well every single kings insider podcast 
then you can go to Podbean and you can download their app and get the, the Podbean app, which is excellent. You can also go to CSN bayarea.com csncalifornia.com and you can go to the podcast page hiding on the big giant picture of james's face is a little pull down window where you can see all of the list of different podcasts you can click on those some really good stuff hiding out there i apologize that itunes is not being cooperative but we will figure that one out all right i i think that's it so for aaron bruski i am james ham We will see you next week and maybe even before. Have a good day.